Just roll with it, whatever comes to mind. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Fat Muscle Project podcast. I'm John Gorman, one of your hosts today. We got Lisa Franz in the house. Lisa, what's going on? How are you? I'm excited to be here. Excited for today's topic. This this is going to be a fun one. I know, you know, real life, we're recording two today. We'll record our question of the week. We've got some really good stuff lined up, and you've done a good job of putting all this together and coming up with exciting, fun topics. So before we get to those, we're going to talk about some wins that we had, some stuff that we'll pass along. I know the listeners like to hear that kind of stuff. Uh, they're all in the trenches grinding, too. So, it, you know, hopefully it makes them think about their wins for the week. So what was a good win for you in the last week or two? I have to say I have really enjoyed um, the current, the clients that I'm working with at the moment. They're just crushing it, essentially. Like, I mean, I always have awesome clients, but sometimes you just, I don't know if you guys feel that too, but you just go through phases with certain, with clients in general, where you feel like everyone is awesome. I love my, the people that I'm working with. So for instance, I have this 52 year old lady, I believe. Um, she, she just, she was in great shape already and she dropped from 132 pounds to 120 and she's maintaining it really nicely, crushing it with her workouts. And she's eating at 1800 calories. Um, hormones are just like, it's, it's just, it's, it's a joy to see. And then another client I've been working with for just over a year and now she's signed up to uh, an amazing nutrition certification MNU. I don't know if you guys have heard of that one, but it's a really good, it's a really cool program. And for me, it just means a lot that um, our coaching has sparked the interest in her to give something back or to learn even more. And so, yeah, some, stuff like that definitely lights up my candle. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's like motivation all week long, not, you know, to get that mm -hmm. from your clients. Jeff, what about you, man? How's your week been? What do you got for a win for us? Really good. So I think the main win would be my client, Deborah, um, placed really well at her first show um, being 63, I think. All that, yes. Um, she was pretty shredded, but almost too shredded. So the feedback from the judges were that they would like to see her fuller. So she wants to do another show at the end of September. I'm already feeding her up. We're already up 50 carbs in the last like week or so and she's just getting tighter and tighter so i'm gonna have to like keep feeding her so that she doesn't keep getting tighter that she puts on a little bit of, a little bit of fluff maybe to to kind of smooth out that skin a little bit because she has a little bit of loose skin right in the the lower half um you know it's just normal at her age i would say um but she was very happy with her placement happy with the coaching so that makes me happy um other two wins main wins i would say i'm down to 193 so i hit a new low this past week after eating a, a whole like individual pizza and like <laughs> six meatballs and two rolls from bertucci's and it's a pizza place up here up north and i also had half a pint of pistachio full fat ice cream and then three days later i i dropped three pounds so that was good um, and then I had four consults last week and I signed all four of them. So Amazing. marketing has been on point sales on point. I feel like, you know, the messages that I'm, I'm putting out have been pre-qualifying almost pre-selling people to the coaching. So when they actually get on the phone with me, they're ready to just like, you know, buy. So those are my wins. I'm, I'm happy. Awesome. I love it. I love it. I, I'm going to, I'm going to keep mine real short here so we can get to our topic. Um, I'm going to stay on the, it seems like the top we're, we're all talking about feeding people up, reverse dieting, things of that nature, adding calories back in. I want to give a shout out uh, to my client, Wendy. 
she's in her fifties. We just died. I work with her son too. She's got an 18 year old son, but I just, I've worked with her many times. She's competed before. Um, we dieted her down. She's in her fifties, got her to a good place, looked at her picture. She said, Hey, I'm happy here. She sent me a picture in a bathing suit. She's good. And I, and everyone's worried when you start to add calories, like, I don't care who you are. Like, even as a coach, we do this, we start to add calories back in. We're worried that we're not going to look as good. And when you systematically reverse diet, someone, you add calories in, like you talked about adding 50 carbs in for your client, Jeff, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. And I've been adding food for Wendy. And I told her, I said, Hey, you're in your fifties. You're not going to train like you're training for a competition anymore, but you know, working out like say for a lady in her fifties, four times a week, just to maintain and look good. Yeah, I'd like to get your calories 17, 1800, and then be able to have a free meal a week. And a lot of people hear that and they think, oh, that's that's too low. Like she get a female over 2000 and stuff like that. Listen, as you get old, it depends on everybody, right? So my point is I've gotten her to that point and I just sent her the email yesterday. I said, hey, you've got this. You're ready to take the reins and go with it. Your food's high. You're in a great place. You know, your hormones are good. You feel good. You look good. So that to me is a win. When I can completely do my job, put the bow on it, and I'm so happy for that client to go on. Uh, she's mm-hmm. a friend of mine too, to go on and do that. Um, so yeah, like that kind of stuff makes me makes me feel good. So that's that's my win for the week. And I know she listens here. So shout out to you, Wendy. You're, you're <laughs> killing it. Awesome. awesome. Cool. Right. Well, let's get into this week's topic, I would say. And today we want to share the best muscle building hacks you may not be utilizing yet. Um, and of course, I, I do want to preface this just by saying that um, hacks aside, hacks, we always kind of associate things that are out of the ordinary or out of the foundations. But those aside, we just always want to make sure we're progressively overloading, we're utilizing periodization to the best of our abilities utilizing rest and recovery to the best of our abilities and that should always be the foundation of a good training program but we are going to talk about the things outside of those coming up so um yeah interesting things you may not have heard of or interesting things you may have seen and thought what the heck is that person doing so maybe john if you can start us off with one or two of the hacks that come to mind first off yeah, and I, I think it's also important to note that there are going to be people listening to the show that are just starting to get into their training. Maybe they're a year or two in. We're going to have a lot of, and, and I consider those beginners. It's not a bad thing, okay? You're a year or two in, you're a beginner. Um, you know, once you get three, four, five years in, I consider those people more intermediate. Um, even people that were trying, I remember when I was training for five years, I st- I didn't, re- you don't realize until you get older in your training age what it really takes to be advanced and advanced to me means um, perfecting the lifts and always trying to strive to perfect the lifts. So we're going to have a lot of intermediate people too, and we'll have some advanced, but some of this stuff I want people to realize is if you're an, a beginner, some of these things we talk about, you don't need to just jump right to this stuff. You need to, and, and we're going to try and give tips and hacks that are going to kind of encompass everybody. So I just remember a lot of times when I first started out, I would see what all the most successful bodybuilders were doing. And I was a year in and I'm doing all the same stuff they're doing because I thought that was the move. And I really lost a lot of time in years perfecting the lifts and doing things like that. And, and Jeff, you've been around a long time as well. Um, I'm sure you can attest to that. Is there anything you want to say to our listeners to kind of preface this whole thing before we start giving some tips? Getting into the hacks, do we want to just define, you know, 
progressive overload in the context of the hacks first, or do we want to go right into Whatever you guys want to do, Lisa, you've got a good layout here. So whatever questions you want to ask, I know we've all got hacks that we want to throw out there. So however you guys want to do it. Sure. Well, yeah, Jeff, go ahead and um, just, I guess, lay the lay the, the basics out for us. Yeah, sure. So, you know, the, the hacks for muscle growth are obviously, you know, tips and tricks or tactics to, to make for a better connection, make for better progress, right? So when we think about progress, we think about progressive overload where people constantly, I think people by default think, you know, adding more weight, getting stronger, but there are a lot of other ways that you can progressively overload. And I want to define that as progressively improve the quality of your training and therefore the quality of your results. So it's a, it's a, a step up on quality, not just piling stuff on for the sake of it. So I kind of want to redefine what progressive overload means. And then, you know, we can dive into these hacks that, you know, John has here and myself and yourself, Lisa, on, you know, exactly what to do. You know, we want this to be takeawayable, you know, for people to use. Yeah, awesome. I think I think that's a really good uh, point to touch on first in the sense of movement quality. Um, because, I mean, of course, otherwise, after 10 years or so of lifting, you'd always try to like people would be benching, I don't know, a, a thousand pounds or or more right. if, you, if it's just about the weights, but other mm -hmm. strategies to progressively overload would be um, simply adding an, a rep here and there or to um, increase range of motion if that's um, certain something in there. Um, um, time under tension, increasing that through tempo work, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. But in the sense of progressively overloading. So I guess progressively increasing the volume and movement quality as well. Um, we always also want to make sure that we're periodically dispersing that in with some rest periods as in deload phases when needed so that we're not just all year round trying to pile on, pile on, pile on, pile on, because in the end, the purpose of progressive overloading is super compensation. So meaning um, your body adapting to the stimulus, trying to get stronger and be more prepared to what you're demanding off of it. So if you don't give your body the time to super compensate, to adjust to it through rest, through your deloads, um, then eventually we're maybe not running into overtraining because that is, you know, people sometimes feel like they're overtrained, but uh, to be in an actual overtrained state that is quite... Uh, that's quite far out for most people they might just be um what's the term for it uh, they might just be non-functionally overreaching essentially so putting too much uh, basically putting too much load on their plate they could see more progress with actually doing less um mm. john what are your thoughts on on, on deloads and um i i guess over or over super compensation yeah. So I purposefully will take a lot of my clients and I will overreach them. And a lot of people think that's a bad thing. It's not, you know, I pulled it from the powerlifting world when, when I did meets, right? So a perfect example I would do is, is have my clients train for maybe five weeks, five, six weeks. And in a, in a week, the final week, I'm going to have them take every set to failure, like a 10 out of 10 on RP scale, every set to failure that week. Um, sometimes I'll even have them add a set. So then their volume and their intensity goes up because here's the thing, when your volume goes up and your intensity goes up and they're both pretty high, that's when your body starts to become overreach. That's when you get tired. That's when your strength goes down, your sleep 
is interrupted. You don't feel as good, right? You're not as motivated to go to the gym. That's the perfect time to deload right after. And the whole thought process in the powerlifting world, the reason why they do this is you train hard, you ramp your weights up, you tax your CNS, and then you deload and you recover and you're trying to force a stimulus. You're trying to force growth. You're trying to force strength. And then you come back after the deload and you go through another like six week cycle and then you do it again. And the goal after that deload is to add weight to the bar, is to try and get stronger. Well, the goal with, with my clients mainly is to try and add muscle. So I have them watch their weights, track their weights, if they're somebody that likes to track, but just see if they get stronger in those weeks afterwards. And it's much better, you know, that to me is a progressive overload instead of someone just training the same all the time, like I used to do back in the day. And you just train a failure and you just go in, you train, train, train. All of a sudden you're, you're so overreached, but you're afraid to take a week off. And I think people need to realize like taking a week off leads to better gains. So that's... Mm-hmm. You know, overreaching is not a, a not a bad thing. Everyone's going to get there eventually. You just may not realize you're overreaching yourself. Very true. Yeah, and I guess um, on the topic of rest or rest or sometimes less is more also just um, making sure people understand that those days where we take time off or time off in the sense of sleep um, and and so on and just the sufficient amount of reps rest in between sets even or in between training sessions that is really where we do give our body the chance to adjust and or adapt and get stronger um but yeah so let's i guess let's start with the specific training techniques that we would be uh, recommending for people that are already kind of advanced uh, in the training space um jeff what what would you start off with there with people who are already you know experienced i would say maybe like would you guys say like what five years in would you say yeah yeah i think when you're when you're five years in you're probably beyond the whole chest shoulders triceps back biceps legs or push pull legs routine um although that's not to say that you can't use that so setting up routines i'll just go into some of my most common setups so push pull legs like i just said um, upper lower in like a four day training fashion, upper lower rest, upper lower, or some sort of, um, you know, six day push pull legs and then repeat again, push pull legs and have it be different movements, mm-hmm. way less volume, but heavy weight, high intensity and, you know, higher frequency of those training sessions. That's, those are a couple approaches right off the bat that I would use for a more advanced training. Awesome. Cool. Um, and John, how would you add on to that? Or how would you, um, I guess, go even further than that? So with me, um, some advanced, so push pull legs, I'm, I'm a big fan of that split as kind of a foundation, uh, if, it, if it fits. But what I like to do is I like to add specific volume. So I'll talk about a muscle building hack for if you need to bring your shoulders up, for example. So if someone's doing push-pull leg, but they need to grow everywhere, right? So they're training six days a week, push-pull legs, off, push-pull legs, right? Repeat. On their push day, I'm going to have their volume on their shoulders higher than I am the other body parts. So the other body parts are going to come down slightly. Mm-hmm. So maybe someone is training, and listen, I'm going to throw numbers out there and everybody's going to freak out. They'll think it's high. Some will think it's low, but say they're training uh, 16 sets per body part for their shoulders on Monday and 16 again on Thursday, which is pretty high volume, right? 
well, the volume on the other chest and tries and all the other stuff's got to go down to like nine total sets each time you train it. So you can leave room. So then your muscles, your shoulders grow with priority because you're doing more sets, you're doing more volume. And that's something that I like to do to help people bring up. It's one thing to bring up a weak body part, but I tell people you're going to still grow everywhere else. Just volume is, is king when you're trying to grow the other body parts. So I will lower the volume on other days, raise it on the the weaker body parts. And that's, I really like the push pull leg split for that because it just, it just fits so well. Uh, but not everybody wants to train chest, shoulders, and tries on the same day because, hey, here's the thing. If you're training hard, that's that's you're in the gym. Like, that's brutal. Like, your CNS is going to get hit. So uh, there are I, – I do like that upper-lower split, Jeff, that you talked about mm-hmm. maybe four days a week, and I will add volume to shoulders there, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it can all be a little bit exhausting when you're trying to add volume. So, yeah, that's 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 another tip I can add to that. Yeah. I do think that a lot of people um forget about um tempo in general as a way to add volume. So I mean we often think like in the sense of reps or weight simply, but when it comes to just increasing time under tension, there are so many techniques that we can use, such as we we mentioned earlier, like slow negatives, and you guys are gonna talk about some other um slow concentrics or or whatever. Um, but I think uh, another thing that I had experienced once and (laughs) I don't want to experience it again for lower body training in particular but is something called um rest pause training so um that I I had that programmed in a squat session and it was like literally it was like 10 reps then rest for 30 seconds 10 reps rest for 30 seconds 10 reps that's like you want to die at the end of that like even the barbell itself feels like a lot of weight that's just I, I I now in hindsight I think it's a great technique particularly um if you don't have a lot of weight available so you know COVID times where people were mm-hmm. using home gyms or whatever I, I thought that, that was great um the other thing I thought of when I thought of back to rest pause training was it can be great for beginners as well because they don't need to use a lot of weight. But at the same time, since you have such high fatigue, then I was like, oh, probably not. By the time you get to your third set of 10, your technique is probably going to suffer from that. Um, but yeah, that, the, those were two things, the slow negatives um, and the rest pause system uh, or training uh, method that I have personally experienced. And I can't say I always liked it at the time. <laughs> But it was definititely effective, and you get a, a very good pump on. <laughs> yep, Jeff, did you ever do, did you ever do DC training, Jeff? I have, yeah, I've tried that. Um, you know, many different in my quote unquote bodybuilding career. But you know what? I don't do well with that style of training. I just don't feel a, a good connection. I need more like build up. Yeah, I need to be warmed up a little bit more. I need, you know, a couple working sets. Um, I know, you know, my friend Austin Stout, who you guys have probably heard of, um, he's a big fan of that style of training. Um, So is Scott Stevenson. Mm -hmm. Um, Myself, personally, I need a little bit more than that to get something out of it. Yeah, it's something I've programmed for for clients. I, I did it back in the day, but I'm with you. I prefer 
here's the thing when you do rest pause sets especially you do it in the heavier rep ranges like the for people that know what dc is you can just google dc training it's not something i recommend for a ton of people especially mm -hmm. if you're a natural athlete because it just really crushes mm -hmm. your cns and that's why I'm, I'm not trying to say it's very yeah it, it's really brutal it's really heavy um and it just crushes you but i like a little bit more volume i'd rather spread it out a little bit and not not do less sets, but just brutal sets. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my thought on, on rest pause. <laughs> what about things like, um, drop sets or, um, something like that? Is that thing, something you use regularly in your training programming? Mm, do, you, do you want me to go on this one? Sure. Go ahead. I feel like it. Okay. Here's the thing. I don't think people should be doing intense these are called intensifiers okay they're like a straight set of like three sets of like 10 to 12 reps that's like a straight what we would call a straight set an intensifier is when you like start adding like these like little hacks and and, and things to make things a little more challenging right i don't think that you should be doing an intensifier on every single movement of the routine i right. think me personally that's a good way to burn yourself out especially if you're a natural athlete I don't think doing drop sets and forced concentrics or eccentrics is a good idea for every single movement. I think you should have maybe one or two core movements where you really go all out. Like I believe that every workout, there has to be at least one movement where you're like questioning your sanity. If you're going to make <laughs> it, you got to have one. And then the rest of it can be touch up stuff, volume pump stuff. Right. So that's, that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, I like it for, you know, if you're going to do it on the, like the, like I said, the overreaching weeks and things like that, where you're trying to add, yeah. like, I think it's good there, but I see people doing it every time they train arms, you know, everything is this giant drop set. And like, if you want to do that on your overreaching, go ahead. Yeah. But if you do it all the time, like, you know, it's too much. Yeah, yeah. Ag ag agreed. And I, I, um, I think things like that can work really well if people get bored easily, quote unquote. So mm -hmm. like if, you know, there there are those people that um, they get really excited about the latest piece of equipment or they get really excited just about the smallest switch up in their training program. And I think sometimes with that, you can give them a lot of motivation as a coach if you throw them a little bone like that and again not on every a single exercise but if it's like hey next month or in this next mm -hmm. block we're going to utilize um four reps or we're going to utilize um drop sets or whatever and they're like oh what is this you know let me let me try that out and even just from a mental perspective i believe that it could be helpful sometimes but again as a coach you have to be really smart about how much you implement that most likely yeah I'll give two two quick hacks right here that people can try. One of them is what I call collecting reps as you drop set. Okay. So let's say you warm up and you hit a top set of 10 reps. Okay. Then you proceed to do drop sets from there, aiming for a total rep count of let's say 30 reps or 50 reps. So let's say you're doing like a flat dumbbell bench press and you end up at like 120s for eight. You drop it down to 100, 100 per hand you do, let's say, 12 reps. Then you drop it down to 70s, you get 15 reps. Drop down to 50s, you get another 14, 15 reps. You keep going until you get down to like 20s yeah. to get your 50 reps. Um, another quick uh, hack would be, let's say you are on light extensions 
and you start off with uh, a weight that you can, can do for 12 to 15 comfortably. Hold every rep of peak contraction for three to four seconds. Increase the weight, hold it for two seconds. Increase the weight again, third set, just straight contractions without holds. So these like increasing time or decreasing time or collecting reps, those are some cool intensifiers that people can try. Awesome. Love it. What about yep. you, John? Anything, any intensifiers that come to your mind? Um, you know, I've got some hacks here that not necessarily intensifier, but I've got something that people can add. And I like to add this one because it's a nice variety because listen, we all get tired of hitting the, the hammer strength chest press. You know what I mean? Like it may be a great movement, but it's nice to be able to add something to that. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of growth that can come from adding bands to your training. Okay. And I want people to understand like when you add bands, I'm not talking about adding it to every, like, don't go crazy with bands. I did this. I was like, Oh, I'm going to put bands on everything. And my whole workout was literally, if I didn't have a band, I didn't want to work out <laughs> because it was all <laughs> true. Right. Like, uh, and, and a good friend of, you know, a good friend of, uh, a lot of us, he's gone now is John Meadows. He was huge with bands. So he kind of inspired me to like try training with bands, but what you can do, think about this. If you're tired of doing the hammer strength chest press, okay. You feel it. Well, Try adding some bands to that because what's going to happen is when you think about when you stretch a band all the way out, right? If you're, if you're pushing out on the chest press, you stretch it all the way out. It gets harder at the very top end of the rep and bands are going to force you to get stronger on the top end there. It's going to force you to be able to add more weight the next time you do the chest press, right? The, the hammer strength chest press. And it's a completely different feel. You're going to have to to me, I feel like you're recruiting more muscle fibers because you're <clears throat> it's it's harder at the top end of the rep. It's kind of like using chains too. If you're a power lifter, you get kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. But when you add these different things like adding bands, you're going to feel a way different stimulus. It's right. a lot harder at the top end. And you just you can't mimic that without <clears throat> bands. So I do like adding them. Just be careful not to go crazy with them. I remember John told me we trained in St. Louis one time for the physique summit. He's and I was asking him about this. He said, Hey man, I've I've noticed my joints, if I use bands too much, my joints tend to really take a beating because of the top end of those contractions. And now that I've done it for so long, I, I agree. If you overdo it with the bands, your joints could definitely feel a little tender, a little under-recovered. But try adding some bands, you know, on my Team Gorman YouTube page, this, if you're listening here, this is where this, this podcast is as well. I've got a playlist with training and I've got upper body band training and lower body. And I've just walked through the gym, had somebody film me in like 2015. And I just showed you how to add it to all the different stuff. And I send that to my clients all the time. And it is, it's a nice change of pace. You know, think about doing the leg press. If you've been doing the, the, the sled for a long time, slap a couple bands on there. It doesn't have to be huge, heavy, thick bands. Um, but it just changes it and it makes it different and you'll, you'll get a different stimulus. So I just wanted to add that one in there. Definitely. Um, I, I think the concept behind that is tension, right? When we're training yeah. a muscle to grow, it's, it, the muscle only knows tension. It's like a rubber band, right? Stretching a rubber band out. That's what your muscles are essentially doing when you're under load, right? So if you take, let's say, uh, a biceps curl, you send your bicep and you, you curl, right? In the beginning, it's going to be pretty hard to get the weight going. But you're going to hit a point where right about middle where it just gets easy and gravity takes over and it's easier to close that gap. 
So when you add a band, you are adding resistance so that the resistance profile becomes more even so that you feel tension even when you're you're here. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, finding the right angles, the right movements, the right machines, um, it's all individual, like based on the client, because our limb lengths and, you know, how we generate force and all that can be slightly different from person to person. But at the end, create as much tension as possible throughout the entire range of movement, and you'll get the most out of that movement. Yeah, mm. I agree 100%. Nice point. Awesome. Um, yeah, and I, I do want to bring it back to one of the points that I said earlier in regards to rest is when we actually get stronger, because that was one of the things that came into came to my mind when thinking of um, muscle building hacks that people might be underutilizing. And mm -hmm. I think the recovery bucket really is something that, I mean, most people nowadays, they're like aware of, oh, I should be sleeping seven hours a day or, or seven hours per night. Um, I should be getting my food in order to recover better. But there are other things um, people probably think of massages, maybe nowadays cold plunges, mm -hmm. saunas, et cetera. Um, for me, post-workout, post down-regulatory breathing where we activate our parasympathetic nervous system right away. So our rest and digest nervous system. And it just helps initiating that recovery process that much quicker as opposed to finishing your workout and um, going to the shower, hopping into the car, uh, rushing to work, being at work, doing this a little, 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 you're just keeping your nervous system activated and not allowing for that really quick recovery. And I think that that's actually a muscle building hack that's not utilized often enough, even if it's just three to five minutes of mm -hmm. I'm going to sit there or while I'm doing my stretching, I'm going to, I'm try to focus on calming down um is there anything like in that kind of bucket that um comes to your guys's mind when it comes to um things people aren't utilizing that's not really something that you know on on my end a lot of us think about and to me it's it's free like that's a free thing to do you're trying to get your body back to the state of rest and digest and recovery and it makes a lot of mm -hmm. sense you know especially when somebody I mean, think about how many people are training on their lunch break that listen to this, right? They're just go, 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 go. Like you just put your body through the ringer in a workout and you're hurry up, shower, get back to work. You get to work, you got deadlines, you got stress, like you're trying to get off, get the kids from school. Like if you think about that, it, it makes sense to take the time and do that. It's not something I do, um, but it's something that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, those cows that are like you know they're just like stay they just stay in place and they're just fed and they're massaged like like the kobe beef cows oh, yeah. you know? <laughs> their job is just to grow you just stand there and you eat you rest you get massages and you grow obviously modern day life isn't going to lend us opportunities to do that but that's like the extreme if you want to grow muscle right but I guess what I just want to add to that is, you know, you spend an hour, maybe two hours, if you're lucky, and you got a lot of time to train, creating that stimulus, right? And we want to progressively overload in terms of quality, um, in terms of that, that stimulus in the gym. But what about the other 23, 22 hours that you are spending outside of the gym, which we know is what grows muscle, right? It's not what you do in the gym that sets, sets it off, but it's how you recover, so are you progressively overloading on your quality of nutrition, sleep, the other, you know, massages, you know, body work, all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's progressive overload as well. 
I would say. 100%. Love it. No, I, I think that people don't think about it in, in that way in terms of improving in those kind of buckets as well. And there are so many things yeah. that we could tap into and some of them probably more science back than others. Um, Uh, like I, I also think like even just um visualization in the sense of um like if you're someone who's stepping on stage like thinking about your your routine your posing routine more and more that's gonna help you or uh, there are studies where people even you know just them visualizing them throwing a ball has had them improve their uh, their ball path or whatever if they're let's say baseball players I don't remember the specifics of it as opposed to people that don't do any visualization so even imagining um certain things or your you know a certain lift that you might be struggling with if you're an olympic lifter and you're trying to work on form all this these little things they can actually um still have an have an impact on your um well not just hypertrophy but performance in general i think i i, I agree 100 um i'm looking at our list here i've got another one that a lot of people don't realize is a good one um, it's not something I think beginners should jump right into, but forced eccentrics is another thing that I want to talk about here real quick. Mm -hmm. So basically you, you can think of eccentrics as like, if you're doing the chest press, right? It's the lowering of the weight, right? When you push it up and squeeze, that's a concentric lowering is the eccentric and a lot of muscle damage happens, right? Which leads to growth, but a lot of muscle damage happens on the eccentric portion, But the problem is a lot of people don't have a way to max the eccentric out. A lot of people think, well, if I'm if I'm pressing, say, 120 pounds on the chest press machine, right? You press it up. If I go down slower, I'm going to get a little bit more eccentric. And you will because it'll be time. You'll be under tension going down. But if you do a forced eccentric, it's like, Jeff, if, if we were in there training in the gym, and I know you've seen this a million times, if we were training in the gym and I'm on the chest press machine, I'm going to push up squeeze and hold it. And then I'm going to have you push back against me and I'm going to try and fight the weight on the way down. And it's, you, you want to be careful because you mm -hmm. need to do it on a machine to start because you don't want to jump right to the bench press and do that. Right. Because that's unstable. <laughs> yeah. But if you do that, the thing is, as you're fighting it on the way down, it causes a massive amount of muscle damage that it'd be, it'd be really hard to try and get that throughout the rest of your, your workout. Plus it's the eccentric portion. So it's a little bit different. And there's a lot of studies on eccentric training. If you guys want to go to like Google Scholar and type that in, you just have mm -hmm. to be careful. You have to program it. You don't want to do it every single exercise, every single workout. For people to start that, I, I suggest for chest, for example, do one exercise like the chest press machine, do four sets and do that. Do it either in the middle or towards the end of your workout. Don't do it to start because the rest of your workout is going to be trash. But try that and do that maybe once or twice a week for a little while. But know that you are going to need to deload. You're going to have to take a little bit of time off from that because it's very, very hard on your central nervous system. But it's a little bit of mm -hmm. shot of growth that you're not going to get because most people aren't doing that. Or they don't have somebody to push the weight back against them. And that's really what you need. I remember University of Tampa, they were talking about this at a conference. Here's the whole goal. The eccentric portion, like when someone's pushing back to you, it has to be harder than the concentric, than the pushing up. So you have mm -hmm. to add weight. You've got to add more resistance to get the most out of it. So it's not just about lowering it down. So if you guys want to try that, just look it up. There's all kinds of good examples. Um, that's one thing that's it's an easy addition. Just try it next time you go in. Cool. Awesome. Um, I, I'm curious, just before we wrap this topic up, but I'm wondering what your guys' thoughts are on like, little things um like wrist wraps to push mm. it harder 
your training or um, belts or like things like that, using chalks, using grips, um, even intra-workout nutrition, you know, like those those kind of things um, that people think of when they think, of, oh, how can I bring my training to the next level? Um, yeah. Maybe, yeah, Jeff, what, what are your thoughts on some of those? Yeah, I, I think all of these things that you just listed, belts, wrist wraps, you know, Versa grips, chalk, the intra-workout pump stuff, these are all things that increase stability, that increase control, increase focus, and increase feel, right? Because when you're pumped, you're probably going to connect to that muscle a little bit quicker once you start. You know, the worst is like when you're working out, it's like 30 minutes in, it's like you haven't felt the pump yet, you're yeah. not connected, it just feels off. It's like, what am I doing? I'm just moving my limbs around, you know? And the best is on that very first rep, you connect and you feel that muscle and you're like, ah, I know I'm going to have a good workout. So <laughs> these are all great tools. Like myself, I don't use a belt. I just like practice like breathing. So I can like deadlift without a belt and squat without a belt. I know a lot of people can't, um, but I love wrist wraps. I can't train without my Versa grips on back day. I love using chalk for pull-ups. Um, and I love my EAAs and like, a little bit of pre-workout. You know, I use the uh, the fat muscle gummy bear one, you yeah. know, and the the apple, I think the sour apple flavored EAAs. Yeah. So I like those. Um, that gives me a pump and I connect better. Awesome. What What are your thoughts, John? I, I think, especially for back training, I think if you're ever struggling to feel your back, try some Versa grips, some wrist mm -hmm. uh, straps, try, try that. So it takes the grip out. And it almost makes you focus on pulling with your elbows on some lifts, for example, because then you can just connect your hand and hold it. And, and I do use those when I train a little bit heavier. So heavier for me is like 10 reps. If I'm going to do lat pull downs, you know, for 10 reps, I do a lot of high rep training. So that to me is a little heavy. I use those. So then I can take my hands out of it. Yeah. I don't want to feel like my hands are, are, are failing me. Right. So I think those are great additions. Um, intra workout carbs. I've had clients doing that for a long time. If they're serious about physique enhancement, I'm not going to have gen pop drinking carbs during their training, but I do like EAAs and we make something called performance fuel. It's a blend of three different carbs. So you get fast and slow digest, slower digesting, and it just helps your training because you recover faster. You get better pumps. You have a little bit more energy, which leads to better workouts, which is going to lead to a little bit extra growth. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of that stuff. And, and talking about too, real quick, this made me think of one of the other hacks that I had. And it's, it's not necessarily a hack, but it kind of is, it's kind of a way to cheat how to feel the muscle better. Um, and it's pre-exhaustion. So a lot of the times, if I have a client who's struggling with feeling their chest, for example, I will have them find the exercise they feel the best in their chest. Maybe it's flies and start off and do four sets of high reps, 20 to 30 reps flies, for example, and get a pump in your chest then go do your chest workout because what happens is a lot of people, they try and go straight to the bench press, for example, and they're starting to feel it in their shoulders and they're not completely warmed up. To me, it's a nice way to get a bunch of blood in there, get it warmed up. And then when you go do the chest press after you've filled your muscle up with flies, you're going to feel the rest of your chest workout better. You may not be able to use the same amount of weight, but for physique enhancement, who gives a shit? Like we're not doing a powerlifting competition. You want to feel it better. So I, I'm a big fan of pre-exhaustion, uh, four sets, just find the exercises that you feel best and try starting with that. You know, another good example, if you really want, if you really want to feel, know what hell feels like, go do four hard sets of leg extensions to start your leg workout, then go do some squats or the leg press. 
you, it, yeah. it's brutal, <laughs> but you are going to feel your legs like you've never felt them before. So, um, but it also lets you do your leg workout without as much weight, because if you've got some lingering injuries or I've got bad knees, like I've actually got disability from the military, I do those things. So when I go do the leg press, I don't have to load up plates and plates and plates, right? So um, try pre-exhaustion. That's one more I wanted to add uh, before we wrap this up. Awesome. I, I will push back a little bit on the um, the belts and the grip just from my different experience coming from a CrossFit background. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, as in like in CrossFit at the time, just very generalized, we kind of often laughed at, at things, use, people using like um, grip, uh, grips and so on for a lot of things because it's like oh you want to you want to foster your grip strength and you know this is not so functional and blah 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 and of course you only really use a belt for when it gets like really heavy maybe like one or one yeah. or three rep range type of thing but otherwise why would you use a belt because of course you want to um, increase your core strength um, so that's kind of coming from that and then I think that there's a small um, a small point to that and the sense of if people start off with strength training um then i think them are using just or relying on a belt and using on wrist straps and using um and so on it often prevents them from actually building up that foundational strength like that foundational grip strength that foundational breathing into their core and um, yes it can also help you learn how to breathe better into your core but at the same time if you just rely on it and it takes away from you building a stronger back and so on it it's not always the right thing to use so i think using them yes but it needs to be very strategic as to when um and actually funny, a funny story. I, I was saying that I'm now training more in the bodybuilding sort of in a bodybuilding sort of style. And the coach I was or I'm working with, um, she actually wanted me to wear or wants me to wear a belt pretty much doing everything because my core is too strong, <laughs> according to her. So like I, I, I just I don't have a, a waist. I'm kind of like straight down. Um, so uh, in order to get that waist a little bit slimmer, she wants me to actually wear a belt more or during pretty much most things in order to slim that waist down so that's kind of my experience with that um but aside from that I also am I, I'm a, definitely a fan of of chalk and those kind of things and I'm obviously becoming more of a fan of the belt but I do think it needs to be used under caution and under the right circumstances I guess yeah and this is a this has been this has been a really fun episode. I do want to let people know uh, you can check the show notes. Please leave a review. It just takes a second. Hit pause. Leave us a review. We're going to be giving a two hundred fifty dollars gift card giveaway coming up here soon. The the reviews are coming in. I think we're up over forty now, which is awesome. Um, it's it's grown pretty quick. So if you would just stop, leave a real quick review for us. And uh, if you need to get a hold of us, if you have questions, you have a guest that you'd like to hear on the show, just hit us up. All three of our information is down there. You can just email us directly. Um, and then Lisa, we've got, uh, we've got some upcoming episodes I see you have listed here on the show notes, and then we're going to record a question of the week. So what do we have coming up? So the next episode is going to be how to manage hunger, meal prep tips, and our personal food staples. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Awesome. And then question of the week we're about to record right now. And what's that going to be on? This is going to be in, um, airing or the following week, and it will be why does weight usually increase when first starting creatine, and is that good or bad? Yeah, that's going to be a fun topic because a lot of people, even though we've all been using creatine for a long time, there's some really cool stuff we can talk about with creatine that people don't mm -hmm. realize. Um, 
So yeah, this has been a great episode. We're going to go ahead and get off here. We appreciate you guys. Like I said, please leave that review and hit us up if you need anything from Jeff, Lisa, and myself. We're out of here. See you guys. Thank you guys.